Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. When you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. See, it's just all about obedience, simple obedience. It may not make sense, but God didn't ask you to, to, to try and make sense of it. It may not be something you even desire to do, but when you're obedient to God, the blessings are there. You put yourself under the spout where the blessings come out, you know, and that's what we have to do. But notice verse 26. This is where I wanted to get. Only the holy things which you have... And your vowed offerings, you shall take and go to the place which the Lord chooses. And where is that? Jerusalem. Right? We saw it. He places his name there. The, the shin, right? The shin. Right in the contour of the land of Jerusalem. Today on Truth in Christ, God wants us to be obedient to His Word. Welcome, everyone, to our study for today. As Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 12, he reviews with us all of God's specific instructions to the nation of Israel on where and how they were to worship their God. And if they were obedient to these instructions, they would experience prosperity and blessings as a result. God placed his name on Jerusalem, and that was the location he insisted the nation of Israel worship him. It would not be long when the nation of Israel violated these instructions and paid the consequences for that disobedience. Here's Pastor Rob with today's teaching. Up there, and uh, what's interesting, it looks like the letter, it looks, looks like a W, okay, but it stands for, it's a shin, and it means Shaddai. In, in Judaism, uh, or Judaism, they, 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 they equivalent, or the equivalent of that character is a name of God. It's Shaddai. And you'll see it in many other places. You'll see it on mezuzahs. You know, that little thing that Jews put on their doorposts of their homes where inside is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, etc. It's inside that little mezuzah. But you notice on the mezuzah there, you can see uh, right in here, right, right around up here, you can see it's like the, that, that shin, that, that character of the Hebrew alphabet, which is a symbol, a, a name of God. It, it literally is a name for God, and it's Shaddai. And then you go on, and it says, and you know, interesting, remember when we read, it says, the place where God shall place his name there, a specific place, God's going to put his name there. What is the name of God? One of his names is Shaddai, and that, that name is a Hebrew letter, right? Equivalent to a Hebrew letter, the Shin. And I want to show you something that's really cool, because Israel, if you even look at the typography of the land, you'll see that up here, you can see the Temple Mount right up here. And right along the side here is the Kidron Valley. And over on the other side, uh, from your perspective, on the right side of this is the Mount of Olives over in this area here, right? And then so you got this Kidron Valley, and then you got this Hinnom Valley, which is down here, and it goes all the way up in here. So this is the Hinnom Valley, 
where they would sacrifice and put the remains of their kids. They cause them to pass through the fire. This is where they'd bury them. It's a trash heap. You dig down deep enough, and you're going to find all kinds of interesting things in that area. But there's also this Tyropian Valley, which is right in here. But this letter, the, the very geography of the land, looks like a shin for Shaddai, God. And so even his name is imprinted in the land itself. This is my land, he says. Jerusalem is mine. You can have all the rest of it. It belongs to me anyway, but I'm going to put my name there. This is where I'm going to be worshipped. And he even made sure that the contour of the land would actually show that this belongs to God. This belongs to Shaddai, the Almighty God. That's what it means, Shaddai. And you can see it. And you can also see it in here, too. That I just made this is just another uh, a look of it. You can see the Kidron over here. Again, the Hinnom Valley going up here like this, and the Tyropian Valley going right through here. And it's a shin. It looks like a shin. Where he places his name. Where he places his name. That's where he will be worshipped. And it's interesting, too, because the shin, it's, uh, it's also known in the priestly blessing. When the high priest would give the blessing over the children of Israel, it's recorded for us in Numbers chapter 6. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And when the high priest would do that, he would take his hands like this, and he would hold his hands, and it looked like a shin. And that's exactly what it looked like. And that's what they did. The high priest would do that as he would look out over the people, and he would do it just like that. Sometimes he would do it like that, and, or, or like this, and it would be just like that. And that's what he would do. And he would pray over the people. And that was what he would do when they would sing. And you can actually see the picture uh, from some of, the, some of the museums and stuff. They have this very same thing. You can see it. You know, there's, uh, there's this little diagram that I've seen, and one is going to really surprise you. Spock from Star Trek. Did you know, I put this in here for fun, but Spock, Leonard Nimoy, is a Russian Jew. His parents were Russian Jews. And Leonard Nimoy was a Jew. And so when he developed the Vulcan sign, which you saw in in Star Trek, and you can see it here, he would take it, and the sign that he would say was live long and prosper, right? And that's what he would do. And that's exactly what the high priest did. That was no mistake, He didn't just make that up. He knew that from his history, from his parents' history. So they would hold up, and that was the Vulcan sign. So, and even iPhones. If you have an iPhone, you can find this little emoji up in the uh, upper right-hand corner. And uh, sometimes I send that to Pastor Jeff, and I say, live long and prosper, you know. So I'll just send that to him. And here he is later on in life describing that, that what that symbol was all about, Leonard Nimoy. But I think that's pretty cool, don't you? Let's go on to verse 12. It says, And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, and a Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. So take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. I've got a very specific place, a place that I've chosen out of all your tribes to place my name there, to place my name there. Remember, his name is, you know, El Shaddai. And what does he put? the, The Shen... In the contour of the land, if you look at Israel from up high, it shows the shin real nicely, and it's very easy to see. And that's God, God's way of saying, you know what? Even in the contour of the land, I got this covered. It's my land. It doesn't belong to you. <laughs> I like that. He puts his own name on his land. I mean, if there, the, the evidence is just overwhelming 
You know, every time they're digging in Jerusalem, they're always finding artifacts. And, uh, you know, we, we don't need archaeology to confirm the Bible. All archaeology does is, is, is it's a confirmation of what the Bible has already said. The Bible said that Pilate existed. Behold, they found articles with Pilate's name on it. Never existed until 1971. I think they found something up in uh, Caesarea. They find uh, uh, something, an inscription by him. And there's people who think that the Jews never lived there. And yet, every time they dig, when the Muslims are digging out the, the Dome of the Rock and over at the Mosque of Omar, and they're, they're digging and, and, and taking out truckloads of junk, of rock and rubble, they're taking it out to the dump and they dump it, and that's where all the archaeologists are at. And they're sifting through this stuff, building tents, and they're finding all kinds of stuff. Stuff, coins of David. I mean, you name it. It's just like crazy. They're finding all this stuff. Because it, it came right from that right where that was. So there's, there's so much evidence, so much evidence. Be encouraged by that. You know, you don't serve a God who is just some fairy tale. We serve the living God, and, and everything he said in here is true. Everything that we find that they found in archaeology is just further support. It doesn't need, the Bible doesn't need it. It doesn't need archaeology to support it, but it just so happens that whenever they find something, oh, the Bible did say something about this person. Oh, wow, we found something that said there, had their name on it. Hmm. I got one word for that. Duh. Right? I'm, I'm immature enough to say it, so I did. So, <laughs> but in the place which the Lord chooses, in one of your tribes, which we know as Judah, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do what I command you. Verse 15, however, you may slaughter and eat meat within your gates, whatever your heart desires. You can eat according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. The unclean and the clean may eat of it, of the gazelle and of the deer alike, only... You shall not eat the blood, and shall pour out out uh, shall pour it on the earth like water. Pour it on the earth like water. You may not eat within your gates the tithe of your grain, of your new wine or your oil, or the firstborn of your herd or your flock, or any of your offerings which you vow of your free will offerings or of the heave offering of your hand. But you must eat them before the Lord your God. Again, notice, in the place which the Lord your God chooses. He put his name on that place. And there it is. We saw proof of it tonight. You and your son and your daughter, the male servant and the female servant, and the Levite who is within your gates. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all which you put to your hands. Take heed, verse 19, to yourselves, that you do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in the land. When the Lord your God enlarges your border, as he has promised, and you say, let me eat meat because you long to eat meat, you may eat as much as the meat as your heart desires, he says. If the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far for you or from you, then you may slaughter from your herd and from your flock, which the Lord has given you, just as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your gates as much as your heart desires. Just as the gazelle and the deer are eaten, so you may eat them. The unclean and the clean alike may eat them. Only, here it is. He says, in other words, you can eat as much as you want. You guys got all these herds. You can slaughter the animal and eat it, uh, you know, in your house. But when you hallow that animal to do a, for a sacrifice or for an offering, then you must take it to, notice, only be sure, verse 23, only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life. You may not eat the life with the meat, and you shall not eat it. You shall pour it out on the earth like water. You shall not eat it, that it may go well with you and your children after you. 
when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. See, it's just all about obedience, simple obedience. It may not make sense, but God didn't ask you to, to, to try and make sense of it. It may not be something you even desire to do, but when you're obedient to God, the blessings are there. You put yourself under the spout where the blessings come out, you know, and that's what we have to do. But notice verse 26. This is where I wanted to get. Only the holy things which you have and your vowed offerings you shall take and go to the place which the Lord chooses. And where is that? Jerusalem, right? We saw it. He places his name there, the the shin, right? The shin, right in the contour of the land of Jerusalem. And you shall offer your burnt offerings, the meat and the blood, on the altar of the Lord your God. And the blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall eat the meat. Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you, after you forever. Notice, it's, a, it's, a, it's an everlasting covenant. It's an everlasting thing. When you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. But he goes on and he says, when you're... When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to possess, and you displace them and dwell on their land, uh, take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How how did these nations serve their gods? I will also do likewise. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. You know, notice the curiosity. Whenever there is a, uh, a false deity... You know, the, the children of Israel were not unlike us. And the younger you are, I think sometimes we can be, the, the foolishness can be bound up in us, the more curious we are. It seems like the older we get, the more reality sinks in, the more wise we become, and there's less curiosity because we've, we, we've hurt ourselves enough to not be too curious. But when we're young, we tend to go, and, and just in our exuberance and, and immaturity, and I don't mean that in a negative way, because we're all, we've all been there, you know what I mean? But, you know, you find yourself just getting into things, and, and, and God is telling them, you know, don't get curious about the gods that they served. Because it, it, to the natural mind, it's very curious. Wow, look at this. Wow, you've never seen this before. Oh, that's really cool. Wow, look at that altar. It's so beautiful. Why is ours just not, very, you know, we, we're not supposed to put a tool on it. It's just kind of like a thing of stones and we throw the animal up there and the blood pours out. But look at this thing. It's beautiful. Look at the way they did this. Wow. I want that. For God, I want that because he's a God of order, right? So we got to make this thing and chisel it, make it look real nice, put some spackling and sand it down and paint it. God's saying, don't put a tool on it. For if you do, you've defiled it. <laughs> You defile the altar. But notice, you know, kids today, you know, get curious. Ouija boards, tarot cards, horoscopes. Seems kind of innocent, but it's really not because you're trafficking with demons. You're, you're, you know, when you go into a seance, you know, the kids do that when they're teenagers because they're curious, you know, just to be spooky. You know, ooh, it's spooky. You know, they want to, instead of watching a horror movie, they like to go and let's, let's do a seance and just see what might happen, you know. And they play with their, somebody's Ouija board and they play, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and they start, you know, things are starting to, boo, you know, there's like this thing. People are naturally curious. And by the way, did you know that witchcraft and satanic worship is on the rise in this country more than ever before? People are turning because the natural man doesn't receive the things of God, but they'll certainly receive things of hate because that's something that's very natural to the human heart. 
The unregenerate human heart knows hate. It knows it wants power. And let me tell you, Satan will give you power for a time, and then he pulls the plug on you. When, he, when, when uh, he's had enough of you, he'll just pull the plug on you. He could care less about your life. So many young people are getting caught up in this stuff. I've seen it all my life. It's, it's never changed. And you have too. You've seen it. I've even experienced some of it myself because I dabbled in some of that stuff when I was younger. And the devil's just waiting for the moment when he can just flush you. He could care less about you. He'll tell you everything you want to hear, inflate your ego, tell you how great you look, how great you sound, what a great gifted person you are, how beautiful you are. Boy, we can do so many things. You can get a lot of money with those looks. You can get a lot of money with that talent. Just do this. And boy, you're going to be set. You're going to be on Hollywood Boulevard before long. Just do this. Just do this. And then you do it. And then you find yourself dead from a drug overdose, from a party. You find yourself being used by all the corrupt people in Hollywood. You find yourself being used and corrupted by people who really don't love you but are just after, just like to be around you because you're rich and famous now, because you've got a name. Verse 31, he says, You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they have even burned their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. We're almost done here. Just um, bear with me. They've burned their sons and their daughters in the fires. And this was something that was true all throughout Israel's history. From the moment that the kingdom began to split between Rehoboam, you know, after Solomon and Rehoboam and Jeroboam, all down through Judah and Israel's history. There's, you know, the northern ten tribes, the southern two tribes. Each one of them got involved in idolatry. And for some reason, Judah and Benjamin, they didn't learn from the ten tribes north of them. In 722 B.C., because of their idolatry and doing these kinds of things, burning their sons and their daughters in the fire to their false gods, babies burning in the hands of an idol that's been heated up, molten, burning red hot, and they would just lay the baby in the arms of this thing, and the baby would scream, and everybody would worship and scream around the thing to cover up the screams of the child who was scalding and burning, and pretty soon it just catches on fire. See, that's what happened. And God says, I hate that. And in 722 B.C., he, took, he allowed them to go all into captivity from Assyria, they were led out of Israel by fish hooks in their mouths as, as the king of Assyria would lead them out and take them captive into Assyria. He would put fish hooks in their mouth, big hooks, and they'd all be on a big chain gang, and they would just be led out of the country into Assyria. And you would think that the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, would have learned a lesson, but no, they kicked it up another notch. And now they're down in the Valley of Hinnom doing the very same thing, that Valley of Hinnom right to the south of where we looked at the Valley of Hinnom and that, and that um, Shin, uh, you know, in the valley. The Valley of Hinnom, that's where it all happened right there, folks. They would take the god of Milcom and they would heat that thing up and they would set the babies on there and they would do this and they would kept doing it and they kept doing it and God's saying, you know what? The northern tribes did it and now you're doing it. You're going to pay for that. If you don't repent of it, you're going. And they continued doing it. And there came a point where it was scary. I think it was in Jeremiah chapter 7 where Jeremiah's like, Lord, I know you're coming and you're going to come do this. And he, Lord, I want to, you know, I'll pray for the people. And God told him, he said, don't even pray for them. They've gone too far. Save your breath, Jeremiah. Judgment is coming, and they are going to go. And that's exactly what happened. 
If you obey me and you go with the Nebuchadnezzar, you'll live. But if you resist me, he's going to kill you. So the people who resisted died. And those who went with him gladly surrendered. They lived. Their lives were saved. But in Jeremiah chapter 7, and we're literally almost done, so bear with me, just one few verses here. So in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 28, and God said to Jeremiah, said, So shall you say to them, This is a nation... And this is God speaking to Jeremiah. This is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. Cut off your hair, Jeremiah, and cast it away, and take up a lamentation on the desolate heights. For the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. (laughs) For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, says the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name, to pollute it. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that southern area that we were just talking about, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it even come into my heart. These were the pagan things of the Canaanites. Finally, in verse 32, we'll end here. He says, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it or take away from it. So God is serious. He's serious. And you know, these things are written for our nurture and admonition, as it was saying in other parts of the Bible, right? So let's take these things to heart and let's obey the word of God. Obey. When Jesus says, you know, the things that are, you know, it has been said that if a man, you know, if you commit adultery, you know, it's not just the physical act. He goes, if you've even lusted for a woman in your heart, you've already committed the thing. If you hated your brother without a cause, you've already committed murder in your heart. He takes it from the external and puts it, the internal things that drive us. Left unchecked, they manifest themselves in those things. My family's in law enforcement, and they are the first to tell me that they have seen everything under the sun. <laughs> you name it. You name every twisted, weird, crazy thing, and I've heard all the stories. And it is incredible, just the depravity of the human heart apart from God. But aren't you glad tonight? We want to end on a positive note. Because, you know, there's a lot. This is a hard chapter. You know, these are hard things to talk about. But they were true. But God loves you and me. You know, he's placed his, his spirit within us. And boy, what a clean feeling. Isn't it clean feeling to have the spirit of God in you? To know that you're accepted by a holy God, that you don't have to somehow work it out and, and make it right, to somehow be good enough? Is there anyone here good enough? None of us are good enough. God says, believe in my son, Jehovah Shua, God's salvation. Believe in him. Trust in him. He is our salvation. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and let's pray. Man. Father, thank you so much for the exhortation, Lord. We know that this is, these are hard things, Father. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that you have written these things down for us, Lord, that we would be appalled that we'd read these things and we would understand some of these historical events that have happened in the lives of your people, Israel. And Lord, you don't want us to dabble in these things either. You want us to learn from these things. And Lord, to take every thought captive, Lord, and to take a, a very short look, you know, a short, have a short list in our minds with you always. So Lord, make us a people, Lord, that are holy. We know that we're holy in you, Lord, but practically speaking, Lord, there's so much work to be done in each of us. There's so much work to be done in me. 
I pray that you do that this week and can just continue doing it and give us a token for of your love whenever you see fit, Lord, just to encourage us, Lord, because it can get discouraging. Father, we love you and we thank you for the blood of Christ and we thank you for the great wonder of your of, of who you are, Lord. You are beyond our thoughts. Your ways are way beyond our thing, our thoughts. You are just beyond it all, Lord, and we are look, looking so forward to seeing you face to face. Lord, have your way with us tonight. Keep us safe in Jesus' name. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.